It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. Well, it's April 14th, and President Joe Biden hasn't yet addressed a joint session of Congress. The State of the Union usually happens in February, but thanks to COVID and heightened security concerns around the Capitol, it's been delayed. Reports say that the White House wanted to schedule it around his 100th day in office, which comes on April 29th. Well, Speaker Nancy Pelosi officially invited the president to address a joint session of Congress on April 28th. Note that in a president's first year in office, it's not officially called a State of the Union address. But that's not the only thing that'll be different this time. The April 28th address will be a much smaller event than we're used to. There'd be a limit on the number of lawmakers allowed to attend to comply with coronavirus protocols. A source said they believe the number could be as low as 200 instead of the typical 535 members of Congress in attendance. But those details are still being worked out. The entire event will be designated as a national special security event, meaning extra protection for everyone there. So September 11th this year will mark the 20th anniversary of the Al-Qaeda attack on the U.S., which triggered our invasion of Afghanistan. On Wednesday, President Biden is set to announce that by that date, he'll have withdrawn the last U.S. soldiers from Afghanistan. Now, the former guy had made a deal with the Taliban that would have seen troops withdrawn from Afghanistan by May 1st. Meanwhile, Russia continues to build up troops along its western border with Ukraine. Biden spoke with Putin on Tuesday. They discussed arms control and emerging security issues, Biden urging Putin to de-escalate rising tensions in the region. The Kremlin said it's too early to talk about the specifics of a possible summit between the countries. The U.S. has been increasingly concerned with Russia's military buildup in western Russia and Crimea, which includes more than 50,000 troops. That's about 18 percent of the country's total ground forces. A New York Times story on Tuesday featured a new report from the Capitol Police Inspector General's office regarding their January 6th response to the insurrection. The report says that Capitol Police had clearer advance warnings about the attack than has been previously known, including the potential for violence in which, quote, Congress itself is the target. But Officers were instructed by their leaders not to use their most aggressive tactics to hold off the mob. The Times quoted from the 104-page assessment, quote, Stop the Steel's propensity to attract white supremacists, militia members, and others who actively promote violence may lead to a significantly dangerous situation for law enforcement and the public. The January 6th attack left five people dead, including Capitol Police Officer Brian Sicknick. The report will be discussed in a hearing on Capitol Hill on Thursday. Well, the prosecution rested Tuesday after presenting a devastating case against former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin in his murder trial for the death of George Floyd. The defense began presenting its case, getting off to a kind of a rocky start. The defense says Floyd died of a drug overdose or underlying heart problems, countering the prosecution's argument that Chauvin caused Floyd's death by pressing his knee into Floyd's neck for over nine minutes. 
Defense attorney Eric Nelson began his case with testimony from a retired Minneapolis police officer who pulled over a car that Floyd was in a few years ago and pulled his weapon when Floyd wouldn't show his hands. A paramedic testified that Floyd told her he had been taking opioids and she recommended he go to the hospital for high blood pressure. Another witness called by the defense, a former police trainer, said Chauvin's restraint of Floyd was justified. All righty then. While Minneapolis is consumed with the trial, police in the town of Brooklyn Center, about 10 miles away, shot and killed 20-year-old Dante Wright, another unarmed black man. Protesters gathered for a third night in the streets of Brooklyn Center, Minnesota, to show their anger over the police shooting death of Dante Wright. A decision will allegedly be announced on Wednesday regarding former officer Kim Potter. She's the one who shot Wright after allegedly mistaking her gun for a taser. Potter and Brooklyn Center's police chief both resigned following Sunday's shooting. Meanwhile, in Virginia... The attorney general is looking into an incident, a video of which surfaced in recent days, showing two police officers pointing their weapons at a U.S. Army officer, pepper spraying him and pushing him to the ground during a traffic stop. Just sickening. With Congress back in session for two weeks anyway, a House committee on Wednesday is taking the first votes on legislation to create a commission to study the issue of slavery reparations for the first time. The bill would establish a 13-person commission that would study the effects of slavery and racial discrimination in the United States from before the country's founding through to today. The commission would then submit to Congress its findings and appropriate remedies on how to best compensate black Americans. With just 18 months to go until Election Day 2022, yeah, candidates are already declaring their intentions like in Kentucky, where Democrat Charles Booker, who so narrowly lost his primary bid to challenge Senator Mitch McConnell last year, is taking the necessary steps to unseat the other senator from Kentucky, Rand Paul. Kentucky hasn't exactly embraced Democrats, but Booker, a real progressive former state representative, sees a way to lift struggling communities and unite them against, quote, two very terrible senators who've amassed power by, quote, screwing us. You tell him, Booker. And finally, from the elections matter files, a U.S. Court of Appeals has upheld an Ohio law that prohibits abortions because of fetal Down syndrome. The ruling challenges precedents set by the Supreme Court and potentially sets up new battles in similar cases nationally. Unlike other recent court decisions about abortion that mainly focused on regulation of or access to the procedure, this decision involves a woman's reason for seeking the procedure and what she might tell her physician. Since the current Supreme Court has a very conservative majority, it may be more likely to uphold the decision if called upon to resolve the issue. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and The Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is 100% listener-supported, and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com, at NicoleSandler.com, and please click on that Donate button.